0: We are back for episode two of our brand new season of Rocketship.fm,
1: telling stories that are happening in the world of Web3 today. And even getting involved in some of those stories, right, Mike?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it went a little overboard and got a little too
1: deep (laughs) in some cases. Like putting some of your life savings to make a run at uh, one of the biggest sports NFTs to date?
0: Yeah, maybe like that. <laughs>
1: That's a whole <laughs> other story.
0: That's for later this season, Michael.
1: Right, right. So today, we still have some unfinished business, don't we? We do.
0: And we'll get into all of it. But first, let's roll the intro.
1: Welcome to Rocketship.fm.
0: Rocket FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective.
1: We are your hosts. Michael Saka and I'm Mike Belsito.
0: As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore: AI safety and security. And that's where Hacker One's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. Hacker One employs over two million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI.
1: This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort So I alluded to some unfinished business here this week, right? Yes, yes. Well, last week we talked about The Tilt, which is a community for a certain kind of creator. Certain kind of creators, like YouTubers.
0: Well, not usually, although, you know, it's not to say that there aren't some YouTubers in The Tilt, but... More of the people that have like a business newsletter or a Mm. podcast. Honestly, people like us in a way. Um, Actually, as a refresher, here's the Tilt's editorial director, Ann Ginn, talking about the type of people that are a part of the Tilt's community.
2: Creators are looking for a place to go um, where they're supported by each other. Right? So, I have a problem, or I have this idea. What do you guys think? And people who are in the trenches, they're people who have an idea of, hey, I want to launch a media company. They may not even fully appreciate that that's what they're doing, is that they want to develop their own media company, but they're finding other people doing the same thing. And people of all levels so, people who have already built successful content focused businesses, people who are far along in their journey, or people who are just starting out and saying, hey, this is a viable opportunity or is this a viable opportunity? So it creates some interesting conversations.
1: And we noticed that what she isn't saying is that the Tilt is for Web3 enthusiasts, those deep into the tech, those who can speak all of the Web3 lingo.
0: No, no, actually that's not how you describe most of the creators that are part of the Tilt. Um, now we heard from a couple of those creators last episode, people like Dylan and Maestro. These are people that started their own content businesses, whether it be newsletters, blogs, and they were curious about Web3, but The Tilt was sort of their first step on their exploration, if you will.
1: It's really interesting because The Tilt is a community that was created by Joe Polizzi. Joe is a seasoned entrepreneur, especially in the content marketing industry. And even though Web3 is super new, I don't think that anybody would necessarily call Joe a Web3 entrepreneur. You know, at least not when he started The Tilt. Right. No, not at all. And, and now,
0: I mean, he's kind of become that. But... It was more of Joe having a interest in Web3
1: and what Web3 could mean for a community type business like The Tilt. But going back to Ann Ginn, The Tilt's editorial director, their take is that even if most of the community doesn't know a whole lot about Web3, it doesn't need to be a scary thing for them.
2: The whole conversation around Web3, I think it all can feel intimidating to people. When you talk creator coins, when you talk social tokens, and it's a different language that we haven't been using, and NFTs, I think that's where people get intimidated by the language used in all of this. And Really, what it boils down to, it's about building communities where the communities have far more of a say than they do today. From a monetary standpoint, from an engagement standpoint, from a who sees what content standpoint, and that whole transparency thing is really important.
1: So the tilt is going down this Web3 path for community. And that means using the Creator Coin concept. Yes. But then something happened. Uh oh, what's that?
0: <laughs> well, Joe, along with another content entrepreneur, Brian Clark, uh, he's actually the founder of Copy Blogger and other businesses. They launched a conference together.
1: I mean, of course they did, right? Makes a ton of sense. <laughs> content marketing world was really the big thing that content marketing institute produced, right? So I don't know. I'm guessing you weren't surprised. And no, I wasn't. And and I'm actually going to let
0: Joe and Brian talk a bit about this conference that they're launching together, which is called the Creator Economy Expo. Uh, it's going to take place May 2nd to the 4th at Arizona Grand Resort in Phoenix, Arizona. Here they are talking more about it on the Seven Figure Small Podcast, which is actually Brian's podcast.
3: We've been talking for months. Well, we, we probably got into serious conversations at the beginning of the year Well, you and I both realized that there was a gap in the marketplace around a physical event for, if you wanna call it the creator economy, that's fine, but for content creators who actually wanna build their own businesses, content entrepreneurs, it seemed like most of these events, virtual or not, were focused on big platforms. Kind of what we were just talking about, right? Oh, how do you deal with YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram? How do you monetize those models? What influencer programs are available for you? And I think what's lost in all that is, to your point, there's a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs right now outside of those platforms. If you think about how do you build a real digital business, audience first, content first, and I don't know if you want to want to tell the news, but that, but that's where you and I came up with the, the idea of uh, CEX, Creator Economy Expo, which is a brand new event, spanking new, uh, that, that that the three of us here, we decided that we were going to do this thing. And uh, in May 2nd through May 4th, 2022, Arizona Grand Resort, in Phoenix, we are going to put on a two and a half day event uh, to 500 plus lucky content entrepreneurs and talk about these issues. And uh, of course, you know, I come from the event industry. I love events. I'm passionate about them. And let's be honest you talked me into this you really did you, <laughs> that's you, what you get
4: for coming out of retirement you, <laughs> you
3: you basically let's let's put it out there nobody knows this you said that you were going to do this event and if i want to come along for the ride i'm more than welcome so you invited me in but you said that if i don't come along you're going to do it anyways and
4: then I was <laughs> okay like, Oh, That's no. not exactly how I remember it, but here, okay, so yes, at the, towards the beginning of the year, um, Joe came, you know, Joe retired to become a novelist, wrote a really damn good novel, in my opinion, Thank and you. then he, I knew it, I knew he wouldn't stay retired, but had to wait. You know, and then he he shows up, starts the tilt, aimed at the audience we've been serving for 15 years. And I'm like, here he is, okay. So yeah, we started having Joe and Brian talks every month. We would just schedule a call That's right. and it just was gradual. And then I'm like, Joe, I really wanna do an event. I mean, this, I, 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 like, I feel like this is my purpose and I'm really into it, but I don't know if you're gonna do an event. You've got all the logistic, the the sponsor side, the you've run a big event. I put on events that were basically large parties to, to always make always fun
3: though. Always right?
4: fun. <laughs> exactly. I've fun is every key. One of them. So I'm going to bring the fun. Joe's going to make sure it's sustainable <laughs> and makes money. But I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, and it's going to be rough. But if, and I don't know if you're gonna do it, but if, if you're interested, let's do it together. And it still took all summer long before we, we kind of found what it was, found the brand, found the just, and then all, at the same time, the whole world went metaverse and web three on us. And I didn't see it accelerating that quickly. I made that joke on Twitter. Wow, that escalated quickly. It did. Uh, you know, and um, so I just think we we caught something that feels very similar to when I started Blogger in 2006. It's just the time is right and you step in and then you hold on because things kind of take off from there. And that's where it feels like we're at right now.
0: If you want to hear the full interview again, you could just check out the Seven Figure Small Podcast and you can hear it all. But for now, let's take a short break.
1: Okay, before the break, we were going deeper into The Tilt and their community for content entrepreneurs. A big part of that community is the Creator Coin, the Tilt Coin, which is on the centralized rally network, but offers a lot of different benefits to the community. Yeah, then we learned that
0: The Tilt founder, Joe Polizzi, along with content entrepreneur Brian Clark, would be teaming up together to launch the Creator Economy Expo, or CEX. This is a conference for the same type of people, and it takes place in early May in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, given Joe's past in launching and selling the very successful content marketing world, again, not a big surprise to see Joe launch a conference like
1: this. No, and it, it actually it sounds like a really cool conference. I'll check out the agenda here. Okay, the topics are covered like community commerce, audience attraction. Definitely things I'm interested, right? Here, it describes what it's all about. It says... Our mission is to bring you the brightest minds and the most vibrant voices that help content creators develop into successful entrepreneurs who build profitable digital businesses. Unlike other events that cater to big Silicon Valley and unicorn startups, CEX is for the creators themselves. And you'll come away understanding that you matter most. All right. I mean, that definitely speaks to me. I might actually be interested in attending this one.
0: Well, I might be able to help you out with that, Michael,
1: but I I don't (laughs) want to get ahead of
0: ourselves. That's actually, I'll I'll bring that up later. Um, Yeah. I mean, the lineup looks solid. It's speakers like Daniel Pink, uh, Chris Gullibo. He hosts the Side Hustle School podcast. And actually, he wrote a book called The $100 Startup, which I remember enjoying back in the day, a few years back. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But Web3, right? Well, okay. Okay getting back to that so let me read an email that i got from joe this was a couple months back as i was starting to research for this series that we're doing for rocket ship okay from joe this is the full email hey mike do you have any nfts would love to get you some nets so you can ride along on the process let me know you said nft and then n-e-t I don't know. Is that a was that a typo? Not a typo. Okay, so Joe is talking about the NFT that he launched in conjunction with CEX, and he's referring to it as an NET because of what it stands for. Never ending ticket.
1: Okay, I mean, I think I can guess. But tell us what is a never ending ticket?
0: Well, it's Joe's take on what an NFT should be for an event like his conference. Now, he fully admits he was inspired by Gary Vaynerchuk's V Friends. And actually, a little diversion here. Uh, here's Gary Vaynerchuk from the Gary V YouTube channel explaining what V Friends is all about.
4: Welcome to vfriends.com.
1: V Friends is an ambitious NFT project around characters that have traits that I believe in so, so much that I want people to aspire to. They also happen to be a token to a conference that I'm going to put on every single year called VCon, v Conference, a multi-day event that is going to rival some of the greatest
4: conferences in the world around entrepreneurship, marketing, ideas, creativity, competition.
2: That
1: was in Ultra successful NFT project. It was a utility based NFT project where the holders of the NFT got three years' access to VCon, a giant festival of a conference that starts off later this year. The only way you could go to that conference was by buying one of the VFriends NFTs. And all 10,000 plus NFTs, they sold out within days. Now,
0: if you want to go to VCon, well,
1: you'd have to buy a
0: VFriends NFT on the open market, uh, the secondary <laughs> market. And the lowest you'd spend works out to eh, about $50,000.
1: Jeez, it's just so wild. So Joe took some inspiration from Gary V here and creating his own NFT that associated with his conference, but he's calling it a never-ending ticket. That's right. If you buy one of the NFTs or NETs,
0: you will always have a ticket with your name on it to every edition of Creator Economy Expo, a-
1: along with other benefits that pop up from time to time. Interesting. So this is their first official NFT project. Are they releasing 10,000 plus NFTs just like Gary Vee did?
0: No, no, it's it's a lot more limited than that. I mean, hey, Joe's a really popular guy in the content space, but Gary V probably has a few more Twitter followers than them. So. Uh, yeah, there's only 100 that he's making available, and the first 50 that would be sold would be sold for 0. 0.75 Ether. Um, that works out to, I think it's like $2,300 these days. I don't know. market goes up and down every day. I can't keep up. But anyway, <laughs> um, a, a ticket to CEX, I mean, uh, that's $995 as it is. So if you're bullish on Joe and you think you might want to go to at least a couple editions of CEX in the future— That utility alone might be worthwhile.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely interesting. And um, I'm not aware of any other NFT projects out there where part of the utility is being able to attend a conference forever. There is just one problem, though. (laughs) Of course, right? What is it?
0: (laughs) Well, remember, the Tilt community, I mean, most people are dipping their toes into Web3. I mean, even creator coins were a foreign concept to most of the community to purchase an nft and go through all the hoops that are necessary i mean for most of their audience that alone that's a huge barrier there needs to be a lot of education and and joe talks about that here
3: the challenge is our audience when we started this process less than one percent owned a digital wallet i created a product that most of my audience could not buy yet This is what Gary Vaynerchuk did great because before he launched his vFriends NFT project, he spent the first six months getting everyone signed up, set up on MetaMask, and he airdropped NFTs to as many people who wanted them just to get them involved in the process. So yeah, a lot of education to go. So our effort in the next six months, especially before Creator Economy Expo starts, is to start to onboard and it's funny i would imagine i would say 10 of the 23 that we've sold we had to walk them through getting the wallet how to fund it they wanted to do it and i didn't want to say oh buy it with a credit card because i'm trying to get them involved in this and say look this is going to be a thing and you may think it's a bubble but this is here to stay in some form so let's figure it out together
1: so Joe posed a question for you. Would you be interested in one of the 100 NFTs he made available or should I say NETs? Well, let me answer that question after a quick break. So before the break, we learned about the new NFT project that Joe Polizzi was launching in conjunction with his new conference, the Creator Economy Expo CEX. He released 100 NFTs or and ets as he calls them because each of these are utility based they are never-ending tickets to the creator economy expo those who have one of the hundred nfts that exist will always have a ticket to the conference for however long it lasts
0: and there are some other benefits that come along with some of these nfts I mean some come with surprise merch along the way some come with access to Joe and Brian Clark receiving invitations to private lunches some come with the ability to hang out with the speakers of CEX backstage, and there's a lot of other surprise benefits that are announced from time to time, too. Huh. Okay, so Joe put a proposal to you. How did you answer? Well, I had to think about it for maybe a minute before applying. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, and now I'm one of the few dozen NFT holders that are out there for this never-ending ticket, and... I'm actually going to be heading off to CEX in just a few weeks. Your very first NFT, is that right? Yeah, this actually is my first NFT. And and honestly, it's part of the reason I snapped one up. I mean, I knew that we were going to be working on this season on Web3. And, and honestly, Joe's a great guy. I mean, he's always been super helpful to us at Product Collective, just sharing everything that he's learned with us and uh, building and growing a conference business from scratch. And and it's helped us grow industry so much and so when he asked i said yes right away not because i think this is going to be like the next board ape or anything like that um i don't even know if i will attend any future editions (laughs) of cex maybe i will um but i was interested in going to this year's and i wanted to support joe so i bought in
1: okay and so what does your nft look like describe it for us yeah
0: right well like nfts it's, it's a little bit about the art too right so uh, and that's actually kind of funny because each of the nfts they're designed to look like different types of creators and mine funny enough and this was just sort of a random you know because i minted it um so i got it at random it is designed as a podcaster um and <laughs> and, and the avatar that's in the nft it sort of even has my same hairstyle so huh. i don't know maybe it's like the universe's way of saying this specific nft just belonged with me
1: nice nice so Okay, you've got one. How do you feel about having it?
0: Well, look, it feels good because this is my way of supporting somebody I believe in, right? But um, as a first-timer, first-time NFT owner, I have to admit, Michael, and look, I'm coming from the tech world, but... The process is definitely not straightforward to to buy or mint an NFT. And this isn't anything against Joe's NFT. It's just sort of just like NFTs in general.
1: No, no. That that seems to be one of the barriers that kind of holds people back from jumping in when they get excited. Yeah. It
0: it definitely took me a minute. Um I, I don't know. I figured, hey, I have a Coinbase account, you know, I have crypto. Like that's probably <laughs> enough, right? Like what? I just use my Coinbase account to buy it. But I was wrong. I had to make sure I had to first have the right kind of crypto in my Coinbase account. Mm -hmm. Then I had to transfer that over to a specific kind of wallet, which I didn't have at the time. So I had to create the wallet first and then transfer that over. Then I had to buy the NFT. But guess what? The amount that I transferred over that I thought would be enough actually wasn't enough because of the gas fees that were involved. Yeah, so I had to know. transfer over even more. I think I did it a couple times. It got really complicated.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to the education that Joe was talking about before too, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, and I did end up completing the process and now I do have my very first NFT. And actually, I just got an email yesterday. One of the surprise benefits that's offered only to NFT pass holders is an extra ticket to CEX this year. So- Michael, I, I want to put it up to you. You could think about it, but I don't know if you're up to anything in early May. You could meet me out in Arizona.
1: Oh, actually, that's pretty cool. I, I may have to take you up on that. Uh, le- let me just look into it.
0: All right. All right. You do that. But in the meantime, Joe does have a recommendation for anybody out there who doesn't have an NFT quite yet, but but is intrigued with all the talk. And, and he's not saying go out and buy his NFT, Um, although you could do that. There's still some availability, but- Joe offers another piece of advice.
3: Go get a MetaMask wallet, go buy some ETH, put it on your wallet, and buy some cheap NFT and go through the process
1: because that's the best way you learn.
3: The
0: best way you can learn is by doing and experimenting a little
1: bit. And you, you've you continued to experiment in this world, haven't you?
0: Yes, and we'll get into that more later <laughs> this season. But for now, I think we'll wrap things up for this episode. So... For Michael Saka, this is Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm here in Season 12 as we explore stories in Web 3.